Hi everyone, my name is Vidya. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fitbots and I'm absolutely excited to be doing today's show on the business of OKR's perspectives of an experienced leader conversation Ivana Shadiva, who is an experienced business leader and OKRs coach. In fact, Ivana has been on the boards of large organization and also the ex-CMO of McDonald's for Zek in Slovakia and Johnson & Johnson. From there, Ivana went on to mentor 600 plus startups across the globe and is also certified as a Google for Startups mentor. Ivana, a very, very warm welcome to this show. Uh, good morning to everybody. Oh, good morning. And, uh, you know, I'm absolutely delighted to be having this conversation. In fact, I had the good fortune of listening into Ivana's webinar on OKRs, where Ivana was really teaching us more about OKRs to an entire startup cohort from the Google Accelerator program. So Ivana, it's wonderful to reconnect with you. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. Likewise, Ivana. Uh, you know, in fact, I was just going through our conversation when we had a quick chat the other day, and it was so inspiring to learn so much more about your experience. You've led very large business groups in enterprises like McDonald's and J&J, and then you went on to become an OKR coach and mentor. So tell us more about your backstory. I actually, you know, my second name is change and hmm. start. I that. always actually wanted new challenges. So if you listen to me for one minute, you know, you will understand. So I started studying artificial intelligence like 30 or more years ago. Then I did my MBA and then I did 27 years in large corporations, some of those top most admired uh, companies in the world, like Johnson & Johnson or McDonald's. And I was always actually acting as a board member, basically. But when I joined the companies where I worked, it was always like, okay, help us cope with some challenge, help us grow. And indeed, I was serving mostly as chief marketing officer, but I was also starting a lot of the things. Now, that would be for half an hour if you let me speak. The most important thing for me, which I'm taking and which I'm using now when I'm mentoring startups, but also big corporations, is that I had always the customer as the first thing to think about. Secondly, that I understood early enough the power of processes, measured processes and improved processes. Now, it doesn't mean necessarily the rigid structure of checklists and stuff, but understanding that how we are actually doing things matters a lot. Uh, then also the project management, which is with me from the very start until today, even though years ago it used to be most of waterfall type approaches, today it's more agile, but it's still kind of the mindset, which is really important. I love what you're saying. You know, I absolutely agree with you because there is a process, even as you rightly said, may, it may not be rigid, but the process really goes along with measurement of performance, which really gets me to the next question, Ivana, on your career journey. You went on to coach hundreds and hundreds of startups with your rich business experience. So tell us how that shift happened from leading large corporations to mentoring startups. Why startups and uh, why OKRs? I often get uh, this type of question. Well, it started kind of innocently because I started to return to the business community 
as a mentor, originally as leaders mentor to other companies. A lot of time it was women in the leadership positions. And then one day my friend, the CEO of a large advertising agency said, hey, Ivana, why don't you try to mentor startups? And I said, are you crazy? You know, I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) And he said, Well, you might be surprised. So I actually started to cooperate with some accelerators, first with one and then a little bit more. And I realized that actually there is a wealth of knowledge which I'm bringing from the corporation. The trick is that we cannot copy paste the corporate knowledge uh, to the startups, not even to the small and mid-sized companies. We need to keep in mind the context in which they are existing and the constraints they are facing and the speed they need to have. Now, once you have that open mind to listen to them, and there my customer focus, historical customer focus, helps me a lot. I need to understand the startup, where they are, what are their problems. And then I'm not scared, actually, to take them on a journey which very often challenges or asks about the foundations. Why are you actually doing this, what you are doing? And very often I hear things like, well, we have been a group of IT people and we had this struggle and we wanted to find the solution, but we couldn't find anything. So we found the startup. This is kind of a surface story, but actually there is something much deeper. So where I am working with a lot of startups, which are pre-seed or early stage startups, is actually revisiting their you know, in corporations, you would call it vision, mission, and what is your strategy and what is your target audience and so on. In today's world, when we fortunately use more human language rather than buzzwords, we talk about why are we doing that? Who is our avatar or typical customer? What is his or her problem we want to solve? What wakes them up at night? And all these things, everybody knows this story. But we would be surprised, or you might be surprised, that very often, because of the speed is such an important thing and there is an opportunity presented, people often jump very quickly through this. And very often they don't even write it down. So it's somehow melts into everyday operations. And we are here today to talk about OKRs, yes, but the OKR makes any sense whatsoever, only if we understand what are we after, why do we exist, what are we trying to change, what problem and for whom to solve. It doesn't make sense to really start in the middle and start doing, I almost want to say wrong things right. So OKR is to me a very powerful tool which can make me achieve things much smoother, faster, bigger, better in more aligned way with a focused way where all the people feel motivated to achieve that. But we need to build on the right foundations. So this is what I always try to search for if the organization, startup, SME, whoever, if they actually have the foundations in order. And if yes, by the way, they often have all the right ideas in their head. Maybe sometimes they 
cannot prioritize them. Maybe sometimes those need to be a little bit fine-tuned, cleaned a little bit. Because those people, they know what they are doing. And and pretty much like 80% of what they are doing, they know somewhere, somehow, what are those basics. But they don't have time. They are sucked into everyday operations. So they kind of tend to forget. And then they find themselves like working on non-priority things, jumping from one problem to another very often, not knowing what they should measure. So they don't measure anything. They think like, okay, I will measure the the sales and the profitability and, and the costs. And yes, these are all the things which we need to do, obviously. But how much does it help us to make our decisions? How much does it help us to lead our teams towards what is really important and what will really make the difference going forward for our organization. So these are the things which need to be reviewed. And once we are clear about those, then we can actually say, okay, so how do we take people with us? And for me, OKR is beautiful, very simple and pragmatic tool, which can help us actually align everybody around few priorities. Yeah, absolutely love the way you've articulated this, Savannah, and I'm going back to two important points that you made for our audience. One is you've got experience in large corporations, and I really like the way you put it across saying that it's not copy-paste, especially when we're working with startups, because there's a lot more moving parts and speed becomes very important. And that's where a tool like OKRs comes in to really align and help teams prioritize. And at the same time, you brought about a very important point on setting the foundation right. Because as you rightly said, we can't write OKRs unless the purpose, the mission, the vision of the organization is clear in the minds of, let's say, the founders and next level teams also understand. So completely, completely agree with you. In fact, uh, you know, that brings me to my next question, which is on, do you have any interesting stories to share, especially when you're, you've are you been coaching startups for a very long time? So any story that you could share on working with a specific startup on what you saw went well or didn't go too well? And how did you come in as an OKR coach? Yes. And those, you would know those as well. So typically people don't understand what is driving their business clearly or well enough. They don't have enough data, maybe, or they don't have them in a very useful format. You know, when I'm working with uh, with the startups and very often what I find, especially for the startups, which are kind of pre-seed, seed or serious say, they, they think like, oh, we have to run and we don't have time actually to record things. And it's a lot of administration. And then they kind of hear that there are OKRs and and they try to put few numbers as more like KPIs, you know, and they are trying to observe those, but they don't, re- it, it doesn't really help uh, their decision making. So you can even Google it. I did it this morning, like Google, give me some examples of good or bad OKRs. Then I came across of this one, double sales over next two years as an objective. Okay. Is it a good objective or bad objective? Well, it depends really, because it all exists in the context. Now, I really love Google's approach to objectives, which says, say what you want to do, but also give a reason why. Because we cannot forget that this serves us not to 
forget, but also it serves our teams and the entire organization to focus. And now if people don't understand why something is important, how much motivated are they to deliver it? So if you add this, and this is why we need that, it becomes much more powerful. What if I tell you our objective is to double sales over next two years so that we can raise second face of investment. We can raise money for further development. Yeah, it's super clear. Super clear. And if you tell it to your people, to your staff, even to people who cooperate with you as an external outsourced uh, organizations and so on, depending how much open you want and can be. It's, it's so clear. Yes, we need to double it. Otherwise, we are not able to raise the capital. Full stop. We will not exist. So there are small things which differentiate between good objective and powerful objective. And once you add this, why the hell do we need that? Then people can actually aligned around this. And then you can find also a lot of examples on anywhere. Uh, what is the key result? Well, key result is not the KPI. Key result is something what helps us understand that we are on the right way to achieve the objective. So first we need to have the objective clear and then we are looking at, okay, so, but what is driving actually? How can we achieve this object? And this is actually something where people sometimes don't want to spend time in analysis, but actually this requires quite some desktop research, asking customers, digging into the numbers, maybe even doing a specific research so that you understand what are the driving forces in order to achieve the objective. And now the beauty of OKRs is that you cannot have like trillion of numbers and targets and goals and whatever, but you really need to keep it neat and sharp and clean and simple. So for really very early stages of startups, I would say like have just one, start with one objective and maximum three key results to support that. So how the key result should look like? Well, the key result actually is already the measurement. Now let's make it easy for us. So let's say that I want to have number of leads from this to that in quarter one. Okay. So I want to increase number of leads, for instance, depending on, on your business. Then it is very easy for anybody to work with that. And I can have regular revision of so how are our leads developing and what do we need to do that can be also the milestone but it always has to be very concrete and let's make it in a way which is really helpful in every day because who will remember even three months from today what was the original measurement so people will need to go back and double check and you don't want that you want people to know from where to where do i need to move what do i need to do at this specific date or until when what I also sometimes, because you asked uh, for some specific examples, one of the examples which I see quite often is that we are measuring the key results in a way which can actually harm some other areas of the business. And this is something when I was thinking about that example, you know, I was thinking about one company which I was mentoring. That company had real, not online, but offline, well, online as well, but offline retail business shops. 
And they had the critical measurement for their buyers. They had a relative margin. This means like whatever I buy and sell, I need to make, let's say, 30% margin on that specific product. Secondly, they said, because we need to be profitable, more profitable than today, we need to have as little SKU, stock keeping units, as possible. So they put their target number of SKUs, let's say from 7,000 to 4,000. They need just to sell less products in terms of less less offer. The offer was not so rich. There was a big problem and they lost over sometime they lost a lot of customers because they didn't realize that their customer base was actually recruited from people who wanted to have that rich offer. And once they decreased number of SKUs in their portfolio, this specific affluent target customers started to come and they selected another retailer. So their average check came down, even though they still had a lot of customers. You know, this is one of the things which people are not thinking about very often. And it's called guardrail metrics or measurements, which is good to think about to have somewhere in your system, the key measure which guards your most critically important, especially uh, quality attributes or other things which are actually core value, core asset, core to your promise to the customers. This is very important, especially as we are growing and we have more departments, more groups of people who do not come into contact every single day with each other. It's very easy, actually, at the very beginning when we see all the elements of our business and we can see it every day. As we grow, certain things become less visible. So it's actually very good to look at which we really need to guard where some of the new measurements, some of the new key result or objective could harm and make sure we look at those things as well. This is a very important and a profound point that you mentioned, Ivana, and I absolutely agree with you because these metrics or the key results are not KPIs, as you rightly mentioned. And I like the way you mentioned their guardrails because sometimes as companies grow, there is a lot which goes below the iceberg and becomes invisible and OKRs really help surface it. And those become leverage points for the business. So absolutely love the way you've actually articulated that. From there, it brings me to your experiences in as an OKR coach and mentor to many startups, are there some specific skills that you believe OKR coaches must have in order to do a great job in what they're doing? Yes and no. If you are a good coach or a good mentor and actually a good leader, you probably have all those already, like listening, asking the right questions, motivating people, providing feedback. And of course, the more expertise and experience you have, the better. But I think that really those kind of coaching skills are most important. As a mentor and advisor, you have actually the ability not only to ask, but then to offer also some types of solutions, which is very cool. That's why I love mentoring. But at the beginning, I need to understand what is the business about? You know, all those basics, all the vision, mission, who are the customers, what are the problems? So we need to be able to ask the right questions. Otherwise, we are not able to tell those people and to help them. So what is really good is to be able to ask questions like, how do we know 
that this is the right objective or key result. How do we know that? Because only the founder or their CEO or their board, they will know, they should know what is actually driving their business. And I laughed when you called OKRs the leverage, you know, the lever basically for, for our business. Because we really need to understand if you move a needle somewhere, what happens to your top objectives. And sometimes people tend to do shortcuts or they are inspired by somebody else and they are just listing a lot of KPIs, what, what we can be measuring. And that's not it. We need to be measuring many things, but OKRs are here to help us focus, motivate people, grow. And those are the most important things which we need to follow. This is excellent. Thanks, Ivana, for sharing these points. You're absolutely right. And, you know, especially when you work with companies, are there any traps to watch out for so that companies sustain OKRs and your advice to companies to sustain OKRs? Yeah, there are many. Not, not in order. They are secret. OKRs do not help much if nobody knows about them. And if maybe the founder did it only themselves and they did not cooperate with other people. How the most effective companies work with OKRs is, even like Google, they start as a teamwork from the top and they are developing the OKRs from the very top. But also at the same time, the teams are developing the OKRs from the bottom. So you have those two points of view which need to be negotiated and, and considered. And what sometimes happen is that a lot of people who are at the entry level in the even in large organization have the objective or key result are responsible for them even if they are at the entry level and those might be the top OKRs. And sometimes the OKRs which are developed in some specific team which is not very top, their OKR may become the top OKR for the organization. I think the excellent example for today, really like these months, last months, is how about artificial intelligence? Do we yeah. need any uh, OKRs? which are some somewhere around yeah this can be this simple question can actually start working around okrs what we may actually do is to review how artificial intelligence can hinder or can help our organization going forward and achieving its vision mission and if we realize that yes it may either help us or it may threaten us, you know, we see that we need to do something about that. And then if such a new things come, maybe there is a department or part of organization which can actually start doing something with that in that new environment. And the objective can be AI-driven approach, which will help us transition into the new era so that we stay relevant to our customers or so that whatever. And then you can start adding maybe the key result could be then 12th of November 2023, we are implementing across the organization this thing. This can be the milestone thing. And then there could be other things. Now, I don't know whether this is actually a very good example, but you probably know what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. you've got a very important point there because in OKRs, it is about keeping it agile. There is so much around chat GPT and more, which is happening around the internet today. And 
you know, organizations adapt to it, you know, because there could be a lot more on AI or AI assist, which can shape OKRs, right, of companies for the future. Absolutely spot on. Very often what happens is that people in that specific expert environment, departments, whatever, they may actually see much clearer what needs to be done and that it should be actually under the radar, at least, if not objective, before the board actually realizes that. So including the right people into regular OKR vision is real and development is really important. Second thing, not being transparent about the results because we are scared of competition and whoever. Well, the fair point is if we are operating in a difficult environment, in a difficult culture where you cannot be really transparent or whatever, then okay, probably you should not be using OKRs to start with, right? But if you want to be transparent, just show it to people because they will be able to navigate themselves. Thirdly, you don't review those. Not only it's not transparent, but it doesn't have management attention. What doesn't have management attention, it doesn't happen, let's face it. The owners, the founders and the board, they need to be the first ones to have OKRs in mind and review them, we can actually say, well, let's review this, these OKRs weekly and this monthly and this quarterly, whatever. You can do different things with that. And then what is really important is if it is not used for decision making and for prioritization, a lot of, especially for startups, because many founders have it as their own baby. They love to do a lot of nice things as well, right? So the OKR helps us actually ask the right question. Will this new idea help us achieve this objective? If yes, excellent. How can we do that? If not, then you can say, let's park it. Let's not do it. It's not a priority. Let's focus on the priorities. Or sometimes what also happens actually is that it can point our attention to the fact that maybe we don't have the right object. Because often people feel like, oh, this is important to do. They just were not able to to formulate it properly and to have it in your OKR system, basically. Now, this is important thing as well, which reminded me what I have seen so often, oh my God, in small companies, in big companies, in the best, largest corporations. Sometimes they just behave like that. Like if anything, what is worth doing must be in addition. And very often, especially junior people would look at the OKR exercise as, so what else do we need to do? No, no. OKRs are there to look at, if I don't have them yet, to look at what am I doing right now? Those already unwritten, unagreed kind of things which lead to achieve certain objective. Am I looking already at some numbers regularly? And I know that it's important. Okay, we probably have some OKRs there. And we can only improve them, make them more transparent and turn it into powerful tool if we formalize them, if we write them down, if we align around them, if we bring them to the core of our everyday discussions. And this is probably also one of the things which people miss most often, not only for OKRs, but also for the processes, you know. I have been very successful with one stupid little thing so often that whether it is new project, new tool, new approach, 
new product, look at does it naturally fit into some priorities which already exist? And can I include it into some already existing powerful process? Because if we can do that, we simplify our life so much, it's almost unexplainable. I have seen it working so many times. Implementing OKRs is a change, right? Either you used something different, either you used OKRs not properly, either you didn't use anything. In any case, it's a change. And I totally love the approach, which is called ATCAR, for managing the change. And it says this, in order to have a change happening in the organization, we need to follow this order. First of all, people need to be aware why we need the change. What are the benefits? What are the costs probably as well? Once they are aware why we need that, they need to desire it. We need to understand their motivation and show them how it will help them. Only then it's a good time actually to deliver the knowledge to them. So the OKR training, for instance. And then there uh, we need to have the ability to do it. This is the A. And the last point is reinforcement. That's the R. Those are the five letters. People who are listening don't know about it. They can actually Google it. It's a very powerful approach and very simple. I love simple things, which can help them implement OKRs properly to their organization. And now I'm ready. Vera, thank you for sharing the tool. And I'm sure all our listeners would be Googling this and uh, really benefit from the advantage of ATCA. You know, and, and love the way you articulated the traps and important to make OKRs as part of the process because it should really be you know, part of somebody's daily routine rather than something which is standing out on its own. So in fact, you know, we've just come to, you know, the end of a very, very engaging conversation, but a beginning of many more such conversations with Ivana. And I wanted to wrap it up with a rapid fire. So Ivana, are you ready for the rapid fire round? I am. Uh, Ivana, your favorite business book? Two. Chris Voss, Negotiate as if your life depends on it. Second one, Robert Cialdani, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion. Lovely. Thanks, Ivana. Ivana, your favorite quote, which inspires you and gets you up every morning and gets you to do your best. It's actually a quote from my father. Hmm. He always told me, Ivana, knowledge and experience and skills, those are the only things nobody can take away from you. Love it. Thanks, Ivana, for sharing that. Ivana, your favorite holiday destination? Rome. Beautiful. And Ivana, when you're not consulting or mentoring, you would rather? Walk the long walk in the nature or sing. Absolutely love that. Ivana, thank you so much for being part of this podcast and sharing so much of your experience and wisdom around mentorship, coaching, and OKRs. In fact, if anybody is listening to this, you would know very, very vividly the difference between OKRs and the impact that it could make in organizations. And Ivana, thank you so much. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners would be reaching out to you on LinkedIn and look forward to more such engaging conversations. Thank you so much, Vidya. I hope it will be helpful for the listeners. Oh, absolutely.